Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, October 23rd, 2023, the 1006th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So let's get started this week with where we left off last week, and that is with the Speaker of the House race. We still have no speaker, which is wonderful. I have said from day one that no speaker is the best speaker. There is nothing that the House of Representatives is going to be able to accomplish on behalf of the America First movement, on behalf of the American people. We do not need them to spend more money, and that's all they're going to be able to do. That is all the Republican-controlled House of Representatives will be able to do between now and 2025. They will just pass spending bills that will get through the illegitimate uniparty Senate and the illegitimate fake president's administration. We don't need any of that. We don't want any of that. We don't have any reason to believe that our elections are legitimate. And without that, How can we trust any of these House members to be able to legitimately elect a speaker in the first place? The entire process is a joke. And right now, the institution is a joke. Our best move is to vacate Congress. And there has been nothing over the weekend to convince me otherwise. Within a couple hours of posting the show on Friday afternoon, we began hearing that Tom Emmer was going to be the new Republican frontrunner candidate, the third ranking Republican member in the House. He is the majority whip. He is the congressman from Minnesota's sixth congressional district. 
He entered office in 2015, replacing Michelle Bachman. He also happened to be the chair of the National Republican Congressional Committee from 2019 to 2023. And their job, of course, is to get Republicans elected to the House, which means it's worth noting that while establishment Republicans who are never Trump and pro Ron, for instance, are trying to blame Donald Trump for the size of the red wave last year. You see, Donald Trump didn't perform well enough in the 2022 midterms in which he was not running that the status of the Senate and the slim majority in the House, all of that's actually Donald Trump's fault. It's not the fault of those people whose job it is to get House members elected, specifically like Tom Emmer, for instance. He is still loved by the establishment while they use his failure at his job to go after Donald Trump. Just another one of those interesting dynamics and hypocrisies from the Republican establishment and the Ron people. So as that news broke, Bannon's war room was starting on Friday afternoon. He had Caroline Wren on and she talked about Tom Emmer telling a story about how Emmer in his position at the NRCC had been fundraising and when people would inquire whether or not he would be supporting Trump and even Trump-backed candidates, the answer was essentially no. Tom Emmer is not a Trump guy. Although there are reports that Donald Trump and Tom Emmer talked over the weekend, and apparently it has been revealed that Tom Emmer has a picture of himself and Donald Trump in his office. And at one point, Trump called Tom Emmer a winner. And I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about that, about how Trump really likes Tom Emmer and thinks he's really great. And then we're going to be told that we have to support Tom Emmer because of that by the same people who weren't supporting Jim Jordan last week, a candidate Trump actually endorsed. Does it make sense? Of course not. But also, it doesn't matter if Tom Emmer has a picture of Trump or if he likes Trump a little bit or if he likes Trump medium or even a lot. It just doesn't matter because the best speaker is no speaker, no speaker until the elections are made legitimate. It's real simple. Trump hasn't endorsed Emmer. No one is making the America first argument for Tom Emmer. And maybe Trump will come out and make it. Maybe. But we certainly don't need to support Tom Emmer just because Trump sort of liked him at one time. Remember, Trump is always in mid-negotiation. He has deals with everybody. They say nice things about him. He says nice things about them. As long as they do X, Y, Z. If that deal is broken, all bets are off. Maybe Trump's being nice to Tom Emmer right now. Maybe he's not. I guess we'll find out. But it doesn't matter because no speaker is the best speaker. And until a case is made for why Tom Emmer actually is in line with the America First agenda, why in the world would we support him over nobody? Congress is at a standstill and people involved are freaking out about. It. And what are they freaking out about? The money potentially drying up not getting these new bills passed so that they can keep spending. And by spending, I mean the regime creates new fiat currency from nothing. The value of that currency exists because it is attached 
to the extension of the indentured servitude of the American people far into the future. That is what the Congress wants. At the same time, people are waking up and realizing, hey, the House of Representatives has been shut down for 20 days and absolutely nothing bad has happened. Nothing has gone wrong. And they haven't spent any more of our money or attempted to govern without the consent of the governed. It feels kind of nice. They're not figuring out new things that we have to do because they said so. Oh, joy. Now, while there is no America first case being made for the speaker candidacy of Tom Emmer, there are reasons to think that Tom Emmer is absolutely not the guy. And one of those is that Kevin McCarthy says he is the guy. He told Punchbowl's Jake Sherman on Friday, he is the right person for the job, speaking about Emmer. He can unite the conference. He understands the dynamics of the conference. He also understands what it takes to win and keep a majority. Now, I can't imagine that he is going to unite 217 members of the conference. In fact, there are now eight that have declared their own candidacy for the speakership, and we'll get to them in just a second. But it's going to be real tough for Tom Emmer to convince the entire conference and convince the grassroots supporters, the America First supporters, the people out in the country who are sick of the GOP establishment to support Tom Emmer. And if they don't support Tom Emmer, there will be another massive phone call campaign to each and every member of the Republican conference, as there has been for the last week or so. And the people will be letting their representatives know that if they support this thing, they will be primary or they will lose the support of their constituents. How safe will these people feel? Do they believe that the election fraud system is still in place? It seems like they do because it does not seem like they are paying attention to the will of the American people as that will is expressed through phone calls to the offices of these congressmen as it's expressed through social media and as it is continually expressed in poll after poll after poll. And fine, we can disregard the polls, but the directionality of the polls actually is usually solid information. And that, as always, continues trending in our direction. Now, the big anti-Emmer story that has been discussed over the last few days has to do with the fact that Tom Emmer used to be a paid spokesman for a George Soros-aligned political action group. This was reported in the New York Post last year, October 28th, 2022, Stephen Nelson knives out in-house GOP whip race over electoral college abolition. A top House Republican's little-known past job working with Democrats to change U.S. elections and choose presidents by popular vote threatens to upend his bid to rise in the GOP ranks. The three-way House Republican whip race between Representatives Tom Emmer, Jim Banks, and Drew Ferguson is expected to be the only contested GOP leadership vote and will be settled by secret ballot about a week after the November 8th midterm elections, which Republicans are favored to win. Emmer, who is regarded as the most moderate option, 
is overseeing House GOP campaign efforts as chairman of the National Republican Congressional Committee, giving him a potential record of success to cite in his bid. But Emmer's opponents say his work about a decade ago as the national traveling spokesman for the National Popular Vote Initiative casts doubt on his suitability for the role of rallying opposition to President Biden's agenda. So Tom Emmer in that prior position as a paid spokesperson for a George Soros funded and directed group, the National Popular Vote Campaign, wanted to eliminate the Electoral College and switch to a national popular vote. Now, consider what you know about election fraud and what a national popular vote would mean. They created 81 million votes for Joe Biden in 2020. And the total voter turnout went from around 131 million in 2016 to 158 million in 2020. Did the population dramatically increase? No. Did participation dramatically increase? We are meant to believe that it did. Why? Because of mail-in ballots, something that does not increase participation, historically speaking, and certainly not a full 20% in one election cycle. We're told that people came out in big numbers because they so hated Donald Trump. In fact, 15 million more came out for exactly that reason, then came out to express their hatred for Donald Trump in 2016, if the numbers are to be believed. And of course, they're not. But that's a whole lot of hate, especially for a president who actually gained 20 percent of his vote total from 2016. So that's a whole lot of people that didn't hate him. Uh, it's like Joe Biden's 81 million votes doesn't make any sense. Now we consider where all of those votes came from. It turned out that Joe Biden actually outperformed Barack Obama among black voters in the four cities that won him his election. An amazing accomplishment. But as usual, we're told that the Democrats just run up their vote totals in the cities. And because the population of cities keeps increasing and not because of illegal immigration, because, you know, they're definitely not allowed to vote, even though the Democrats are trying. I wonder if maybe some get through just because they're automatically registered to vote when they get their driver's licenses at the DMV. But <laughs> that's just a, a conspiracy theory for the last 20 years that it's actually been happening. But Tom Emmer wanted a national popular vote. In fact, George Soros paid him to go say it. Now, we must understand by this point what the Uniparty is and how it operates. We also should understand that many of these Republicans in political office at the local level all the way up to the national level are no different than Democrats. They just have a little R next to their name, which means they employ a certain type of messaging and marketing in order to convince the general public that enough of the general public supports them and their ideas enough to get elected. And in most places, all that's needed to convince voters that elections are legitimate and the proper person won is that the letter next to their name matches up with what that area is known to believe and known to do. 
you go into a deep red state or a deep red district, the Republican is going to win. It doesn't matter if that Republican is basically a Democrat. He's got an R next to his name. He says a few of the right things about abortion, a few of the right things about the Second Amendment and the Constitution. And everybody just says, yeah, well, you know, he's not our favorite Republican. In fact, he seems like just another one of those corporatist warmongering neocons. But at least he's not the Democrat. So he's elected. Understanding the Uniparty, does it really matter that Tom Emmer is a Republican and not a Democrat? If, for instance, he is a paid spokesperson for a national popular vote initiative being funded and run by George Soros. Now, Tom Emmer has reportedly disavowed those positions. He doesn't hold those positions on the national popular vote that he held just 10 or 12 years ago. Now he has more appropriate positions. Think about what having a national popular vote would mean at this time in our country. Let's assume for the sake of discussion that our elections have not changed and are not any more legitimate than they were in 2018 or 2020 or 2022 or probably any time before that. Let's say we're in the exact same state of play. They wouldn't even have to worry about battleground states anymore. They could just run up the numbers in all of the so-called blue cities around the country, and that would win the day for Democrats. You can see why this option would be attractive for the regime and for the Uniparty in the United States. Anytime they need a Democrat to win in this era against Donald Trump or an America first populist nationalist candidate, well, they can create all the votes they need to create. If they want to show everybody that the election system really is safe and secure and can produce accurate results that reflect the will and intent of the American voter, well, then they just turn off a bunch of votes. The system can produce the outcome it needs to produce at any point. If it turns out that they are worried about the rig in Atlanta or Detroit or Philadelphia or Phoenix, if something is done that makes it more difficult for them on election day, well, then they can just run up the totals in New York and San Francisco and Chicago and Los Angeles and Seattle and Portland. And you go on down the list. Milwaukee, of course, a great one. Hey, Milwaukee. Think about the 2020 election. If they had just fixed Pennsylvania or Georgia, if that state was now fixed and they had to go into 2024, knowing there was no chance they were going to win that state, well, then they would simply inflate the totals elsewhere. And with a national popular vote, that's all you would need to do. You don't actually need to worry about Pennsylvania's electoral college votes going to Donald Trump. You can just make up that Pennsylvania deficit in some other state, run up the totals in a few urban environments around the country, as many fraudulent votes as they would ever need to create, they can do it. And that's the election. I think there's even a version of the national popular vote scenario where they have it. So each state sends all of its electors to cast their vote for the winner of the national popular vote. So you'd be seeing Idaho and Oklahoma and Texas and Tennessee and Montana all sending their electors for Joe Biden. 
because the regime was able to produce absolute blowouts in Los Angeles and Chicago and New York. That's the vision they have for the national popular vote. They get to choose every election, and it is just one more chip away from the people being able to find any strategy to override that. And isn't it funny how everything they want to do that concerns the elections always trends in this direction? It makes it easier for things to be decided from the top. Over time, our elections become more complicated, less transparent, more technologically oriented, more centralized. At some point, you would think that people would just have to naturally realize, hey, they're doing all this stuff so they can steal our elections. And isn't it weird that they just tell us, no, that's not what we're doing when people start realizing it. And somehow there is still a sizable, at least portion of our fellow Americans who will just accept the regime's word for it. Hey, guys, did you steal our elections? No, we would never do that. And not only would we never do it, it's impossible anyway. And sure, we just told you a few years ago that Donald Trump did it. But that's because Donald Trump is an evil genius, despite being the dumbest man in the world. It makes so much sense. And by the way, isn't it odd that they accuse Donald Trump of colluding with Russia and stealing the 2016 election. And then after the 2020 election, there have been no accusations of Donald Trump colluding with foreign powers to steal the election. Sure, they said that he wanted to overturn an election that he lost and incited an insurrection, but they didn't accuse him of cheating in the election. Why not? Wouldn't they be interested in pursuing that? Why aren't they pursuing his election cheating in 2016? And instead, they're pursuing him trying to overturn our free and fair election of 2020. Gosh, that's strange. You'd think with all the power they had and their incentive, I mean, they must be incentivized to prove that our elections are legitimate. They would investigate his cheating in 2016 and his cheating in 2020. Why didn't Donald Trump cheat in 2020? Man, I mean, if there was ever an election for Donald Trump to cheat in, it would have been 2020. I mean, knowing what was coming with the mail-in balloting and the Mark Zuckerberg drop boxes and the machines and all that, seems like Trump would have had his cheating A game going. Why didn't he do that? He must have known that so many people were coming out to vote against him because of how hated he is that he knew cheating wouldn't even work. In fact, he tried to cheat. It didn't work and it failed so bad. It's not even worth investigating or exposing to the public, even though we do hate Donald Trump. I mean, what kind of normal person can think through all the aspects of this situation and determine that there's nothing wrong with our elections. And it strikes me as particularly evil at this point, especially when it's coming from the uniparty right, because they know that Republicans get robbed. They think it's okay because it was Trump and because it's MAGA and because they don't care about their voters unless they are wannabe elitists like all those people 
in power. They want their party apparatus and power structure to remain in place. They don't want Donald Trump and a bunch of American populists taking over that apparatus. They've worked very hard to protect it and they continue to. But nonetheless, they know that the elections are stolen. They're actually thriving because of that to the extent that they are, at least for however much longer that lasts. It's not going to be very long. But it strikes me as incredible that these people know that over half the country believes that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 election. And it's way more than that, according to Rasmussen polls and others. You can also get a sense in your own life, knowing that all of the Trump supporters essentially understood in 2020 that the elections were stolen. They were stolen in broad daylight. And whether or not people want to admit that, everyone knows it. We watched it. More people today understand that cheating dictated the outcome of these elections than understood that three years ago. More people believe cheating affected the outcome of the 2022 midterms than did 11 months ago. People are waking up and understanding that this is a problem. The idea that all of these uniparty wannabe elitists think no one can see what they're doing as they prevent the fixing of these elections. They know that well over half the country believes our elections are stolen and they know that elections are stolen too. They just can't get their way out of the fact that they went along with the regime narrative for the last three years. They personally are screwed and they do not care about the country enough to admit it even under these circumstances, because they understand what it implies about them, about the country. They know that over half the country does not believe that the results of our elections, as reported, reflect the will and intent of the American voter. That is a crisis of epic proportions. And these uniparty wannabe elites don't care. In fact, they are arguing on behalf of the regime without any evidence or justification that all the Trump supporters, everyone who understands our elections are stolen, that all those people are just conspiracy theorists. And they're saying that about more than half of the people in this country. They don't care about your vote. They can't care about your vote because they don't care about their vote. They voted for the power structure to remain in place. They don't give a damn if the power structure is stealing elections because they want the power structure to remain in place. The power structure is only going to steal elections on behalf of itself. They actually believe all this. And at the same time, they believe that because their vote is one out of 130 million or in 2020, 158 million. So it doesn't count anyway. They believe that. They also believe that elections largely don't matter because both parties are the same. Things are going to be more or less the same. They talk about politics once every two years or every four years. And then they tell everybody that they don't want to talk about politics because there are more important things in life to focus on. But also they want to make sure you know that they are experts on stolen elections. That's why they all say the same thing. Because it's so true and so conclusive. Donald Trump lost 60 court cases. Not true. And everybody hates him. Also not true. And again, they're arguing 
on behalf of the hate movement. Hey, you guys can't have that leader. And there's no way the country would have voted for him because everybody knows that everybody hates Donald Trump and his supporters. That's really the argument. Your elections are not stolen and you're not allowed to check. Everyone knows that the regime would never steal elections. And more importantly, it's impossible, even though we said it happened last time. And we know that's true because we've been told the courts agreed and because everybody knows how hated you are. Man, I can't wait to reunify. It's amazing because I don't know how these people ever expect to be forgiven for doing this or why they think that none of them are going to be held accountable for any of this. But that's basically the most reprehensibly immoral thing you could do in a quote unquote democracy. If we are trying to have a stable society, the worst possible thing that could happen is for all of the powerful people to collude in making sure that the great majority of powerless people have absolutely no say in any public affairs. And that is exactly what's happened. And now people are coming to understand that. It should be quite telling that people aren't rushing out to say, I was wrong about this thing. Trump clearly won in 2020. Our elections are clearly stolen and we should not have another one until they're fixed, until the entire system is made transparent and all of these unnecessary complications that only reduce the integrity of our elections are removed from the process. And instead, we have people who support a national popular vote or did support at one time a national popular vote. It is absolutely crazy with this current election system to support that. And the fact that he supported it on behalf of George Soros is obviously even worse. Now, I suspect that we will probably see some changes to how the Electoral College operates. Tying a state's electors to the popular vote of a state isn't even how things originally worked. In the aftermath of 2020, we also learned about the contingent election process where the House delegations of each state cast one vote on behalf of their state according to the majority in the U.S. House of Representatives in that state. So the state had chosen more Republican representatives than Democrat representatives. Well, that state casts its one vote for Republicans. Another state has more Democrat reps than Republican reps. That state casts its one vote for Democrats. Each state gets one vote and whoever wins more states is the winner of the election. There were people clamoring for that in 2020 and who knows how things might have went down. Regardless, it is a very interesting issue to see brought to the fore. This is a great time to have a conversation about what the national popular vote really is, about why the founders supported the system of electors, about the constitutionality of changing that process, etc. It's kind of cool that it comes up through this Speaker of the House process when we're learning all sorts of things about the Speaker of the House. And one last thing on the national popular vote, by the way, we don't have a national popular vote. It is just a number told to us by the television. And we know that that number is absolutely filled with fraudulent votes. 
fake votes, unlawful votes, votes not cast by Americans. And then we are told the story about how that national popular vote number came to be. And it's because in the cities where people are progressive and part of the future, the real go-getters, the real important people in culture, you know, it's the cities. That's where all the population is. That's where all the college educated, smart people are. Those people, they're dragging the nation along, kicking and screaming into a brighter, better future. And that's why Democrats won the popular vote, even though Republicans won the Electoral College. And now we have an illegitimate president in office who can't even win the majority of Americans. And we'll use this thing that we call the national popular vote, even though that's not a real thing. And even though it's not comprised of real votes to undermine the president for the four years he's in office and pretend he's not legitimate because he didn't win the national popular vote. These people are insane. They already used that fake falsified number as the basis for questioning the legitimacy of presidents they don't like. And now they want to decide the entire election based on that fake and falsified number. And as there's very little more important to the regime than holding on to stolen elections, the currency is probably the only thing more important to them than that. Although sometimes they act like it's abortion and you gotta wonder why. But there's very little they care about as much or more than holding on to that election apparatus. The idea that the House Majority Whip, the Republican, is already a prior supporter of the national popular vote. That's bad enough. Now he wants to be Speaker. Unless Donald Trump or someone starts making a very strong America First case for Tom Emmer, you would have to think that this is just about exposing yet another rhino. Put this guy front and center. Let's hear all about it. It's one of those situations where it's like, is somebody actually tricking this man into doing this? Or does the Republican establishment and the donor class and the apparatus behind it think they can actually pull this stuff off? And are they realizing slowly that they can't? Because the freakout seems real. You have to wonder why they haven't learned to keep their powder dry. They put up the next guy, the guy they want, and he just gets thoroughly exposed. Now, is there a chance that it's a distraction for someone else who is also their guy? Yes, there is a chance of that. And we'll discuss that in a second. But it's worth noting they've got nine candidates now for Speaker of the House. We've got Tom Emmer, who we just discussed, Mike Johnson, Byron Donalds, Kevin Hearn, Jack Bergman, Austin Scott, Pete Sessions, Gary Palmer, and Dan Muser. Now, Jake Sherman, who covers Congress at Punchbowl, did a little breakdown of some of their votes. Tom Emmer has voted yes on all of these, certifying the 2020 election, same-sex marriage, Ukraine aid, the Fiscal Responsibility Act, and the 47-day funding bill. That is not an America First voting record. The good thing is that seven out of nine of these people putting their names forward for speaker voted not to certify the 2020 election. So that is actually reassuring. Now, no one who puts their name forward to be speaker should become speaker. I think that that is a fair standard right now. No speaker is the best speaker. 
Same standard we applied to Jim Jordan. I'm not mad at Jim Jordan. I don't dislike Jim Jordan. I'm not 100% certain he's a great man, but Donald Trump did give him a Presidential Medal of Freedom. We have seen him be good on things before. I am perfectly happy to give Jim Jordan the benefit of the doubt when it comes to his character and his faithfulness to the country and his oath of office. I'm not saying anything bad about Jim Jordan. All that said, I'm glad that he did not become speaker last week. No speaker is the best speaker. No speaker until our elections are made legitimate. Simply vacate Congress. And I will apply the exact same standard to Byron Donalds, another man who I think is probably a very good man. He is very good at voicing an America first and seemingly populist agenda. He did not vote to certify the 2020 election, so we can respect him for that. He voted against same-sex marriage, Ukraine aid, and the Fiscal Responsibility Act, and he abstained from voting on the 47-day funding bill. Now, Byron Donalds has endorsed Donald Trump. He is a congressman from Florida, endorsed Trump over the governor of his own state, Ron DeSantis. And Donald Trump has endorsed Byron Donalds in the past. They seem to have a good and respectful relationship. And Byron Donalds is very well liked by MAGA. I will say nothing bad about Byron Donalds and still say no speaker is the best speaker. He announced his run for speaker just following the announcement that Emmer was the front runner. And so that sets up an interesting dynamic. The other seven candidates for speaker will largely be ignored. And we will be fed Tom Emmer representing the Uniparty, the establishment, and Byron Donalds representing MAGA, whether or not he actually is representing MAGA. I think everyone should be extremely cautious in thinking that some candidate who is legitimately MAGA and going to do good things for the America First movement and prove themselves to be someone that we can rely on over maybe the next few years or maybe a long time is going to successfully navigate this speaker vote and become speaker of the house. I do not see any possibility in that, like a 0% possibility. And I imagine that we are going to see that proven out. Maybe Byron Donalds actually gets a floor vote at some point, And we see plenty of Republican congressmen going against the Byron Donald's nomination. Now, because we are a country obsessed with race, it cannot be overlooked that Byron Donald's is a black man and would become the first black speaker of the house. And I guess if that happens, then everybody celebrates. Oh, we solved racism once again. Sure, we had a black president, but he was a communist and Manchurian candidate. And history will more accurately record him as the first gay black president. But once we've had a black president, we don't need to celebrate every first black person to do this. I mean, how specific are they going to continue getting over time? The first black, gay, trans, Muslim, biological female to ever run the Water Commission of Dayton, Ohio. Oh, the crowd goes wild. Now, Byron Donalds, being potentially the first black Speaker of the House, would put him up against Hakeem Jeffries, 
who could also be the first black Speaker of the House. Who would win? Would Democrats join Republicans in electing Byron Donalds? We would only need a few of them. Maybe we'll get 20 or 25 uniparty dissenters like we had with Jordan, or who knows? Maybe there will be even more. Could Byron Donalds attract Democrat support if that was all that was needed to get him over the edge? No, they would have to hold out and demand that Republicans support Hakeem Jeffries. And that would be some absolutely perfect controlled opposition theater. Two men vying to become the first ever black Speaker of the House. Republicans have the majority, but they can't elect Donalds because some of them are concerned about his association with the America First movement. And you gotta love it just coming out and saying, no, we can't have anyone who believes in putting America first. <laughs> Nothing could be more literally true in this case. So some Republicans would be rewarded by the Uniparty and by the people on television for dissenting from electing Byron Donalds. But then, of course, the Democrats can't elect Hakeem Jeffries on their own because they're the minority. It's an unstoppable force against an immovable object. But one man must prevail or zero men could prevail. And honestly, that's the best thing. Again, no offense to Byron Donalds. But what do we think Byron Donalds is going to do? On Friday evening, Byron Donalds released this statement. Tonight, I'm announcing my candidacy for Speaker of the House of Representatives. My sole focus will be securing our border, funding our government responsibly, advancing a conservative vision for the House of Representatives and the American people, and expanding our Republican majority. As a member of the conference, I've seen firsthand the devotion of my colleagues to improving the lives of their constituents and the future of America. We come from different walks of life, but share the common pursuit of a more perfect union. As speaker, every voice in our conference will have a seat at the table to ensure our unity and consensus on the legislative battles we face. Under my leadership, the House will lead the charge to advance a simple objective. Put the American people first, keep them safe, and make their lives easier. Titles aren't given, they're earned. I look forward to securing the votes of a majority of my Republican colleagues to become the first African-American speaker, the first speaker from the great state of Florida, and the next speaker of the 118th Congress. Now, I got to say, I don't find that platform to be very appealing. There really is not much Byron Donalds is going to be able to do to secure our border other than continue to talk and grandstand about it. I think the American people have made it pretty clear that they don't want the government to be funded, shut the thing down. And of course, that movement is only growing and advancing a conservative vision for the House, expanding the Republican majority. Those are obvious things, but none of it means anything if you're not working to fix our elections and none of them are even talking about it. And you can credit Byron Donalds for choosing not to vote to certify the electors in 2020. And I do give him great credit for that. But we don't have to pretend that this is an important agenda. He mentions that he's African-American as if American voters are supposed to care about that. It feels like Fox News wrote this 
statement for Byron Donalds or someone in the Republican establishment in their PR wing wrote this statement on his behalf. I mean, think about how strange this is just in isolation. He's saying I should be speaker for these reasons. These are my goals. And oh, yeah, I'm black. I mean, honestly, how weird is that? And again, no hate going Byron Donald's way. I like Byron Donald's for what I know about him. But the question is not whether or not we like him. The question is whether or not he is a member of the Uniparty and supporting the Uniparty. He doesn't seem to be. No problem in saying that whatsoever. Everybody likes Byron Donald's. But also there are things from his past that could be leveraged against him potentially. Are those things all out on the table and known about Byron Donald's? Maybe. This is the Washington Post from January 4th of this year. Who is Byron Donald's? And there were some profiles of Donald's from that time because his name was put forward as speaker back then. In fact, this article has a quote from none other than the Ron supporting Chip Roy. Byron is a dear friend, a solid conservative, but most importantly, a family man who loves dearly his wife, Erica, and his three children, has a proven track record as a businessman, public service in the Florida legislature, and now as a member of the United States Congress. Wikipedia notes that in 1997, Donald's was arrested for marijuana distribution. The charges were dropped as part of a pretrial diversion program. In 2000, he pleaded no contest to a felony bribery charge as part of a scheme to defraud a bank. His record was later sealed and expunged. And not too long after that, he went into finance and banking. Oddly enough, Donald's began his professional career in 2003 as a credit analyst at TIB Bank. He was promoted to senior credit analyst in 2004 and later promoted to commercial credit manager, assistant vice president, and credit manager. Donald's left TIB Bank in 2007 and took a position as a portfolio manager at CMG Surety LLC. In 2015, he joined Wells Fargo Advisors as a financial advisor. So is this a story of a young man who makes some stupid mistakes and turns his life around and builds himself up into a Great success and eventually a congressman could be, or is it a young kid who gets in trouble? Someone with some measure of power gets him out of trouble and Byron Donalds now owes that person. And that person could easily be a representative of the Uniparty. There's at least some chance that when people have these sorts of backgrounds, there was some favor trading and some power manipulation involved for getting them out of those obvious legal problems. Avoiding problems with the law is how a lot of people end up corrupted and compromised and in someone's debt for a long time. The Fort Myers News Press in August of 2020 reporting on the campaign. This was, by the way, updated on January 5th of this year as they were beginning to cover Donald's for the speaker vote, as I said. But candidate Byron Donald's and his accuser each call the other a liar. Ethics Commission won't weigh in until at least next month. On the campaign trail, Byron Donalds hasn't hidden the criminal charges in his past. A 1997 marijuana charge was dismissed as part of a pretrial diversion program. A 2000 bribery charge was later expunged and is no longer available as a public record. In a 2014 television interview 
which he says still serves as his official statement on the matter. Donald said 15 years ago, I came in contact with a girl. She offered me a thousand dollars for my debit card and my pin number. He said, I never got the thousand dollars, but I had to make restitution to the bank in excess of 7,000. Now that certainly sounds like a weird thing to be charged for bribery over. And the question isn't really about, did you end up losing money on this scam of a deal that you don't deny you participated in, even though that's really dumb. The question's about whether or not you committed a crime and there's not much response there. Now, again, maybe Byron Donald's totally reshaped his life after that point. He knew he got a lucky break and he decided to make sure that he lived his life on the straight and narrow, always doing everything right, made himself a huge success, became a congressman and is well liked by the America First movement. Maybe he is exactly that awesome. And I hope that he is. I would love it if Byron Donalds turns out to be everything people believe that he is. But there's also a chance that he's not. And regardless, no speaker is the best speaker. No speaker until our elections are made legitimate. Just simply vacate Congress. There's nothing we need them to do. There's nothing we want them to do. There's nothing that even the greatest possible America first candidate becoming Speaker of the House would yield in this next year. And certainly nothing that would make it worth it to throw someone in there and just keep committing the American people to indentured servitude forever. Now, Byron Donalds has said that he is going to release all of the January 6th footage if he becomes speaker. And that's a nice offer, but that should just be a baseline standard of what anyone would do. Kevin McCarthy said he was going to do that. So we can't even believe Byron Donalds that he will get that done. Even if we gave him the benefit of the doubt as a seemingly nice guy, that's still not enough. It's just not enough. The leverage is ours. If they want to put up the uniparty candidate and go that route, which I think that they will do, we can deal with that when the time comes. But we're not going to get shoehorned into supporting something that provides virtually all of the advantage to the regime. That's what allows them to continue. We can simply stop them or at least make them expose themselves in front of everybody and witness the actual blowback to that. I'm glad Byron Donald's brought up the issue, but that's not enough. And we can't trust it's going to happen. You don't help the regime based on promises from politicians and all of the major outlets on the uniparty right are covering this, which honestly makes it seem like they're trying to bait people on Byron Donald's behalf. And so you have to wonder what's going on with that. No speaker is the best speaker. Now, do I think that we're going to get away with no speaker? No, I don't think we're going to get away with that. It would be wonderful, but I think eventually the uniparty right and uniparty left will come together and put someone in there. And I would like to take a second and note that none other than Liz Cheney was out there doing the rounds on the Sunday shows. But if it came down to it, even though you disagree with Joe Biden on almost every issue under the sun, other than maybe Ukraine and Israel, would you vote for him over Donald Trump? We're going to see what what happens. We're going to see how things unfold. I think Donald Trump is the single most dangerous threat we face. I would imagine that there will be a number of other candidates in the race. Um, would you be one of I them? Think, I'll tell you what I'm what I am definitely going to do. I'm going to spend the next uh, year between now and the election, certainly helping to elect 
serious people, helping to elect sane people um, to of, Congress. Of both parties? Yes. Uh, because I think that, that we could well find ourselves in a situation, given what we know the Trump folks are doing in terms of attempting um, to question the results of the election, we don't want a situation where the election is thrown into the House of Representatives and Donald Trump has any possibility at all of prevailing under those circumstances. So we've got to elect people who believe in the Constitution and who take their responsibilities seriously to Congress. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time doing that in addition to other things. But you're not ruling out a presidential run? No, I'm not. Okay, and we'll see you when your book comes out. Thank you. I look forward to it. Now, I apologize for that clip being a little quiet. I think you could probably hear that. Now, there was a bunch of really interesting stuff in there. And the first thing to notice is that she is essentially declaring the Uniparty at this point. This is what we are seeing. Now, was it hidden before? Maybe it wasn't all that well hidden and we just didn't pay enough attention to it. I'm open to that possibility. Maybe that is the real explanation. But otherwise, they just seem to be revealing themselves and putting it front and center. Jake Tapper says to her, you don't agree with Joe Biden about anything except, you know, Israel and Ukraine. And that sounds like it's some kind of reasonable policy in the world. We're talking about someone who is an illegitimate communist dictator. That is how history will remember Joe Biden. He's not legitimate. He is a communist. And if you're pushing your political will through and prosecuting your opponents and censoring the citizenry while trying to maintain power through wars and you weren't legitimately elected, your ass is a dictator. Like that's a dictator. And it's weird that no one talks about it. But we have a communist dictator pretending to be president, and Liz Cheney, the daughter of Dick Cheney, one of the most neocon neocons in all of existence, she agrees with the communist dictator when it comes to Israel and Ukraine, and pretty much nothing else. The neocons and the communist dictator agree about the global regime's proxy states and how they must be protected at all costs. They agree about maintaining this one world global order through the use of military force. The so-called old school Republican quote unquote conservative agrees with a communist dictator about the very things America is most opposed to. And oh, by the way, on behalf of that regime, she led the January 6th committee to punish the political opponent and his supporters for a regime based false flag. And she lies about the elections. Liz Cheney, good conservative, aligns with the communist dictator on all of this. And yet there are still those on Twitter, pretending that the Uniparty is a conspiracy theory. She believes that Donald Trump is the most dangerous. And isn't it funny that she mentions she wants to elect candidates from both parties around the country, candidates who know how important it is to be anti-Trump. She essentially said exactly that and even went so far as to say if Donald Trump tries to take that election to the House of Representatives, they need to know that they have members there who are committed to the Constitution. What do you think that means? 
That's talking about the contingent election scenario I described earlier. And she's saying she needs to elect members of Congress in the 2024 election cycle so that they will be sworn in right before the certification of electors in 2025. She is saying that the strategy is to make sure they have enough states committed to doing what they want in order to prevent Trump from becoming president in a contingent election scenario. Now, that is a pretty massive spoiler alert that apparently didn't land with anyone. It's a pretty major hint on what the strategy is for next fall. That's a very specific scenario she just mentioned. A contingent election that will be decided by these new members of Congress that the uniparty helped select. Liz Cheney is saying that she's going to help elect members from both parties and literally saying that it is so she can make sure Donald Trump can't become president once the election goes to a contingent election. Now, are we going to get to that point? We could have gotten to that point after the 2020 election because states shouldn't have certified those elections. They are uncertifiable. Their election results are unverifiable. They don't let anyone check. That should be the first clue. Not that there aren't thousands and thousands of clues that cumulatively should prove to a brain dead moron that our elections cannot be trusted. I don't know if we'll get there, but that is a pretty strong hint that they are considering that option and trying to cover those bases. Liz Cheney is basically declaring the uniparty in front of the nation. Most Democrat voters think of Dick Cheney as one of the worst people of all time, and they are totally willing to do business with Liz Cheney, knowing that her agenda is not different than her father's simply because she's happy to go after Donald Trump the whole time, tell them that their hatred is justified. And in turn, they end up going along with neocons in support for protecting the global regime in all of its proxy states, because they understand that that is the source of their power too. Now, the last question that must be asked is why was Liz Cheney on the Sunday shows? Who wants to hear from Liz Cheney right now? And I'll tell you what I think the reason is. I think it's because Liz Cheney is going to be the compromise candidate for Speaker of the House, as I first suggested a long time ago. Everybody always thinks I'm crazy. Hey, maybe I am. But the vacate Congress thing seems to be picking up steam. People like Tim Poole are out there talking about how we don't actually need a Congress to be active. It's not really a thing. Who cares? Cut off that entire corrupt money flow for over a year. Fix the elections and then we'll allow government to begin doing government stuff again. But not before then, not while we have leverage. The answer is just no. So people are coming on board with that. You think that there's no chance the regime is going to put up Liz Cheney? I'm not saying I'm right. But I am saying that there is no doubt whatsoever that there are people angling for that. And that's what this is. Is it going to work? I have no idea, but it's plausible. And there's no other reason to have her out there doing this. They have also hinted extensively about a Liz Cheney presidency. And she's talked about it as well. And right there, 
She did not rule it out. Imagine a Liz Cheney speakership. She would put up all sorts of legislation for funding those foreign wars as much as they needed. Gosh, the regime would absolutely love it. Republicans and Democrats working together to do absolutely everything the regime has ever wanted, just right out in the open. No more need for the controlled opposition dynamic. They would just declare that they are working together. Who is not working together with them? Oh, the majority of the American people. But think of all the legislation they could pass. And that is exactly what they would be doing. What happens to the Committee on the Weaponization of Government? Oh, well, that problem just disappears. What about the one on the relationship with the CCP and the advantage they take of Americans? Well, that one disappears. What about the impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden? Hey, maybe she goes and pushes that really hard, thinking that that will convince Republicans she's not just actively working on behalf of the regime and the illegitimate president. Maybe Liz Cheney could impeach Joe Biden in the House with the help of Democrats. The Senate could do the same thing with the help of Democrats. And then they get to replace Joe Biden. And of course, by this point, Liz Cheney is just the hero of Republicans everywhere for impeaching the big bad Joe Biden. And then he's replaced with Gavin or Big Mike or Hillary Clinton. Now, is this all a crazy conspiracy theory? I guess we'll find out. But it's worth trying to speculate about these things. What would happen if this other thing happened? Because we're watching a whole lot of weird stuff play out. And it's good to be looking around the corner up ahead and trying to figure out what might be there before we run head first into it. And think about the possibility of Hakeem Jeffries versus Byron Donalds. That might play to a standstill. And it'll be clear that no other Republican candidates are going to get 217. The Democrats are not going to back down on Hakeem Jeffries. Could Liz Cheney emerge as a compromise candidate to get the House back to doing its very important business on behalf of the American people? Oh, they're going to go back to governing? Yeah, that could totally happen. And you could sell that to a few Democrats. I think it should be pretty clear to everybody that we're not going to get a Republican speaker. It's probably going to be Hakeem Jeffries or someone else. I can't imagine Democrats deciding to compromise and help establishment Republicans elect another speaker. Who's it going to be? Kevin McCarthy? They could actually sell Liz Cheney to part of the Democrat base because they love the fact that she participated in the January 6th primetime television show. Now, I keep harping on the unit party so much because this is the real game. A lot of people are going to do the day to day coverage of every bit of quote unquote news that comes out of this Israel situation. Doesn't matter if the story's true or not. Every neocon and establishment Republican is committed to rage posting about Israel all day, every day. And they are declaring that anyone who does not agree with them is absolutely a Nazi. Aside from the fact that these people have spent the last 20 months supporting literal Nazis in Ukraine. And just like Liz Cheney, they agree with Joe Biden about that. Israel and Ukraine, thumbs up. But still, we're told those are the most conservative people who just happen to align on these issues with a communist dictator. 
But all I think is when we look back 20 months, would it have been worth it to spend all my time going through the daily details of each and every Ukraine story, having to consider, is this story fake about each and everything that comes out? Would that have been worth it now in retrospect? And the answer, I think, is pretty clearly, of course not. The entire discussion, the entire narrative storyline and the popularity of it all revolve around what I described last week as a controlled opposition dynamic set up by conflating Israel, the globalist proxy state with the biblical Israel and with the Jewish people and the Israeli people. That is a conflation that cannot be made. Likewise, conflating all Palestinians and Hamas. And then you can't have the real conversation, which is the role of the global regime and the role of the Zionist project. The two sides fighting over who's good and who's bad and what's fake and what's not. All of that exists within that controlled opposition dynamic. It's Israel versus Palestine. It's Israel versus anti-Semites. It's Israel versus terrorists. And either you're on the side of Israel or you're on the side of the Palestinians and anti-Semites and terrorists. And that conversation is going to be carried forward for weeks, maybe months. Hopefully it's not that long. But the uniparty right media and influencer sphere, these people are going absolutely out of their minds. It is just a feed of hate filled nonsense. They are all actively promoting cancel culture. It's absolutely insane. You would think that they've become completely different people over this issue. And then I would remind you, well, no, I've been saying these people are exactly the same for years now. There's a reason they cover up the election. There's a reason they agree about whatever agenda to pursue relative to the most important stuff. They all went in on COVID. They went in on the safety of the election, the safety of the vaccine, the danger posed by the very violent insurrection. They agree about everything that matters and then simply market to different people with different messages, always geared toward evoking the darkest parts of these people's personalities. Everyone is admitting in the open that these quote unquote conservatives align with a communist dictator, but only about this stuff and that other really important stuff. But these are our allies. No, they're not. And how about this today in Punchbowl News? And again, Punchbowl News is a uniparty left reporting site. But we're talking about the uniparty. So the article is written in support of uniparty narratives. Does it really matter if it's coming from the left or the right at that point? The narrative exists to support the uniparty. That's the important thing to know. And you can analyze it from that point, understanding the bias. The left-right divide is basically irrelevant. McConnell emerges as Biden's top foreign policy salesman, on the hill. Well, I'll be damned. Mitch McConnell, that old dirty dog, that old Republican stalwart, <laughs> that old, uh, yeah, leader of the Senate majority. Gosh, Mitch McConnell, what a great Republican Mitch is. Oh, Mitch, always just passing legislation. Now, let's read that headline again. Uh, McConnell emerges as Biden's top foreign policy salesman. On the Hill? What? 
Mitch McConnell straight up glitched out a few weeks ago. People started calling him Glitch McConnell. Fantastic nickname. Dead on. I'm kind of sad I didn't think of it first. But the Republican leader of the Senate is the communist dictator's top foreign policy salesman on the Hill. How does that work? And why do we take people like David Harsanyi seriously when they think that the Uniparty is a conspiracy theory, despite the fact that the Uniparty is just slapping everyone in the face over and over again? Hey, do you see us? Hey, do you see us? They don't see it, but they do see Nazis around every corner, except in Ukraine. Why in the world would the Republican Senate leader be supporting Joe Biden's foreign policy initiatives, seeing what this administration has done to the country. Mitch McConnell is supposed to be the opposition, is he not? Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell's rare Sunday media blitz had an even rarer purpose to boost President Joe Biden's chances of passing a historic and potentially legacy-defining legislative package. So they are talking about passing legislation that would be legacy-defining for Joe Biden with the help of Mitch McConnell. All they're waiting on is that Speaker of the House. Gosh darn it. McConnell has emerged as Biden's most valuable asset as Congress prepares to take up a 100 plus billion dollar emergency funding request for Israel, Ukraine and the Indo-Pacific and also the border to facilitate the slave trade and make it go faster and smoother. That is what they want to pass a hundred billion dollars of foreign aid for and the Republican leader in the Senate is Biden's most valuable asset in getting that done. Biden's ability to provide the emergency assistance to U.S. allies will hinge in part on whether McConnell is able to bring along enough Senate Republicans. This is going to be difficult with several GOP senators already coming out against combining aid for these foreign conflicts into one immense bill. So there are a few senators standing up To the worst possible thing. Gosh, what faithful Republican representation we have in the House and Senate. Joe Biden went out and spoke to the country on television last week. And his biggest asset in getting that done is Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader of the Senate. The Uniparty, by the way, if you didn't realize, is a conspiracy theory. And let's listen to exactly what he supports. McConnell appearing on two news shows Sunday is throwing his full weight behind Biden's effort. Both men are framing the supplemental funding request as an interconnected global emergency for the United States. Isn't that interesting? He and the communist dictator are both framing it as an interconnected global emergency for the United States. It's not an emergency for the United States in any way whatsoever. But this comes as more Republicans are arguing that each portion should be voted on separately. This would allow them to support funding for Israel and Taiwan, but block new aid for Ukraine because the Republican position is, oh, we've had enough of that Ukraine thing. Let's start some new wars instead. You can't just take out part of this. It's an overall effort by the Chinese, the Russians and the Iranians to go after the free world. And the Israelis are feeling the pinch at the moment more than anyone else, McConnell said on Fox News Sunday. 
We need to view this as a worldwide problem, except we don't need to do that. And we don't do that. The people don't view this as a worldwide problem. Why is Mitch McConnell out there telling people what to think instead of the other way around? His job is representing the people, not representing the global regime to the people. I mean, this is just so blatant. It is right in your face. They note that McConnell said it was all about how the United States will fight off what he's calling a new axis of evil. And he said this about Ukraine on CBS. No Americans are getting killed in Ukraine. We're rebuilding our industrial base. The Ukrainians are destroying the army of one of our biggest rivals. I have a hard time finding anything wrong with that. Well, I can find some things wrong with it. The first is that it's not true. And what does he mean? We're rebuilding our industrial base in this context. Is he just talking about this is really good for the military industrial complex? They note that McConnell is also backing Biden on the humanitarian aid to Palestinians in Gaza, something many Republicans vehemently oppose. And thank goodness he wants to make sure it's not going to go to Hamas. He said there are genuine humanitarian needs of the people of Gaza who are not Hamas, who've been thrown under the bus by what Hamas did, innocent people. But we want to be careful about how the money is spent. Oh, yes, that'll improve it. Of course, all of this has little bearing on the House where a new GOP speaker could easily block or water down the effort. And even McConnell might seek significant changes to Biden's supplemental funding request, such as on the provisions that deal with the crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border. Hill Democrats won't have much of an objection to Biden's request, save for the small group of progressives who oppose aiding Israel. But the Senate's filibuster and the Republican-controlled House mean GOP support will be necessary to get this over the finish line. So it's clear that Biden will need to keep McConnell close. And there are people in this country who think that Democrats and Republicans working together to do stuff like this is actually the best case scenario for the country. They think that the adults in the room are agreeing to work together for the good of the nation. There are people still who believe exactly that. And that is the belief that must be countered. You don't focus on the individual facts. You don't get in arguments with people about the minute details of these total fictions. You go to the heart of what their belief is. They believe it is good that Democrats and Republicans are working together because they don't understand the uniparty. When they understand this dynamic, the uniparty presents itself before them. This is the most important thing for people to get because then they can look across at America First supporters, MAGA, and understand that they are not just trying to crush the Democrats. And to them, that means people like them. It's about actually doing good for America and the American people against the global regime and the uniparty as it exists in the United States. The uniparty is the critical understanding on so many issues. Think about how the election fraud discussion would go with a Democrat if they knew beyond any doubt that you weren't trying to tell them just that Democrats cheat, but that the cheating is present everywhere in every election and it benefits both 
Republicans and Democrats. It's not that these people don't know our elections are stolen. They do. They just think that they are being personally attacked by anyone who claims that. Is it stupid? Yeah, it's stupid. But it's better to understand that stupid thing that their brainwashed little child brains are doing than to try to convince them about bellwether counties. They've been hearing it for three years. It's not like they're just going to change their mind when you give them more facts. I know that's what they keep asking for because every fact they have seen so far, they have reclassified as a non-fact. What do you think they're going to do with the next fact they get? That's not going to be a fact either. When they get it, it becomes not a fact because they are fully immersed in and committed to the false reality. It is a total inversion. Everything for them is backwards. So we have all sorts of establishment Republican heroes, the big family names of the GOP establishment, the Cheneys, the McConnells, becoming clearly visible as the best allies of a communist dictator. And establishment Republicans look at that and understand it and don't even think anything's wrong with it because they think the same way the uniparty left controlled opposition thinks. They think, oh, well, you know, it's actually kind of nice that some of the serious members of the Democrat Party are willing to work with the serious members of our party. It's going to be all the adults getting back in the room and making sure that the system of power stays in place because we care a lot about our institutions and our democracy. And at least we know that they are going to make sure to fight against all of those populists, that vast, vast majority of the country. And they protect all of it because they can't admit that the elections are stolen and that they were complicit in it and are now trying to cover it up. And just as they want to make sure that no one ever hears about the election ever again, this clip was just unearthed today. And it's Hillary Clinton talking about rigging elections in other countries. And oh, she's talking about Palestine. This is from 2006. Man, that's Hillary Clinton, one of the most powerful members of the Uniparty, talking about rigging an election in the Palestinian territories in 2006. But we're also told that all Palestinians can be exterminated because they elected Hamas, which makes them collectively responsible for everything Hamas does. Gosh, what a strange state of affairs. Thank goodness the unit party is just a conspiracy theory. I'll be back tomorrow. Same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else 
by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!